hope everyone is well. Uh, we're in the middle of another heat wave here in New York this week. Um, the humidity is insane. Yesterday's thunderstorm was wild. It lasted for about two hours. The thunder was crazy. Um, I'm one of those people that when I know there's a thunderstorm, if I'm at home, I open all the windows, keep the lights turned off, and I just lay on the couch and just listen to it. I just find it so relaxing. Um, I know a lot of people are scared of them. I'm not one of those people. I usually like read a book or just like close my eyes and relax. I don't know what it is. I've just always loved them ever since I was a kid. So I kind of look forward to them every summer, but uh, this year has this summer so far has definitely been crazy. Uh, this humidity, I almost passed out the other day. I just went for a walk as I do every morning. Um, and the heat was a little bit overwhelming. So I had to take it easy after that. I ended up giving myself a migraine for the day, which was no fun. Uh, TV wise this week, I started watching Search Party on HBO. It's a show that I seem to, um, when I come across articles or anything about it on the internet, everybody seems to love it, but I've never actually heard anybody that I know speaking about it. So I don't know if a lot of people know about it. I think it has a little bit of a cult following. It's on its fourth season now, I think just finished um, and it got renewed for a fifth season. I'm enjoying it. The first season was great and then it's a bit, it's like a little weird. Uh, it's kind of hard to describe it, um, but it's just basically a group of friends that uh, find out that this girl that they went to college with is gone missing and they decide to look for her and then all this craziness starts to happen. It's got very, very dark humor. It's set in New York. I feel like it's very... Um, it's very New York to me. I think um, a lot of the characters in it, I feel like I've met several people like that over the years, so it's quite funny. Uh, I watched the new Conjuring movie. It was a strange one. I enjoyed it, but it was like not like the usual Conjuring movie. It definitely wasn't a horror movie. Uh, it felt more like a thriller almost. It was kind of almost like... Um, like a detective movie it's like you know oh we're gonna go and investigate this story um it was kind of a strange format but i enjoyed it though um the first half an hour was so good really really gets right into the story right away but it's definitely worth checking out and i also watched a mini series called years and years again it's another one i'm not sure that a lot of people maybe know about but it got really great reviews uh emma thompson is in it who i absolutely love and it's really crazy it's like it kind of reminded me of black mirror um it's based around this family and you know it's it goes through like the next few decades um every episode it's set a few years in the future and it's like you know all this like crazy stuff that's happened um you know kind of like uh, i think 2020 was probably the right time to release a show like this because of all the madness that went on last year and you know how it was so like every week or every day almost there seemed to be something else crazy happening and it's very much like that uh it was really uh, kind of creepy actually um, but it's definitely got black mirror vibes I would 100% check that out if that's something that you're uh, into 
So yeah, um, getting back to the podcast today, I want to talk about the emotional and like physical toll that abuse can take on you while you are going through it. Uh, Firstly, um, to get into it, I just wanted to read this paragraph from um, No Visible Bruises by Rachel Louise Snyder. You have heard me read from this before. It's a great book. Definitely check it out. I will leave a link to it in the bio. Um, So for just a bit of context, she's speaking about this one case with this young woman and, you know, her family, her mom and her sister are aware that she's being abused and she's left him several times, but she always goes back. Um, And this is just kind of basically explaining the mindset. So this is the long term fallout from a lifetime of violence directed towards you. The rewiring of a brain geared solely and entirely towards survival. A brain that reacts to being under constant attack will continue to send danger signals. Increased levels of cortisol, adrenaline and other stress hormones contributing to a vast constellation of physical and mental health issues. Disassociation is one of the more common issues, but victims of chronic domestic violence can also have a wide and long-term range of problems, from the emotional to the physical. They may have long-term cognitive loss, memory problems or sleep disorders. They may suffer from inattention or irritability. Some research link a host of physical ailments to unresolved trauma, including fibromyalgia and severe digestive issues. In his book, The Body Keeps the Score, the author Basil van der Kolk writes, the most important job of the brain is to ensure our survival, even under the most miserable conditions. Terror increases the need for attachment, even if the source of comfort is also the source of terror. He believes that while post-traumatic stress in soldiers garners the most attention these days, victims of trauma, including domestic violence, are arguably the greatest threat to our national well-being. And I just thought that was really interesting. Um, I think it's something that people overlook, maybe, um, are the physical effects that abuse can have in your body um they're just as harrowing as the emotional i remember it wasn't until uh, about a year or so after i left my situation and i just kind of noticed i didn't like associate the two but i just kind of noticed that i was having a lot of memory loss um just really like you know i've always been someone that like you know i might pick up my phone to look at something and then forget what I did or walk into a room to get something or do something and then forget straight away I think we all have that but this was like on another level and I was telling my friend about it one day and she was like well Amanda you know you've just had a really traumatic few years in your life so it's kind of understandable that things like this would happen to you and it wasn't really until then that I kind of thought about it and you know was just looking back at that kind of how those things had affected me physically throughout the years that I was with him and after. Um, So I had really bad anxiety. I constantly had migraines. I would have dizzy spells, uh, stomach aches, constantly having stomach aches. Um, I was used to like throw up a lot. Um, My hair started falling out in clumps. That was a huge 
issue at the time. I remember I couldn't really understand it, but now I know it was just stress. I remember standing in the shower one evening and I was washing my hair and it was just clinging to my body. Like I had hair all over my body. It was just falling out everywhere in clumps. It was all over the bath. I was just, I remember like crying my eyes out it was just really upsetting. I was like, why is all of my hair falling out? Like, I just couldn't understand it. Uh, I developed really bad acne. Um, My abuser, I remember, even said to me once, your skin is really, really, really bad. And we're going to have to do something about it. Meanwhile, it was him who was causing my skin to be that bad. Um, on the phone my friends would tell me that I sounded strange my voice sounded strange or I sounded sad and I would just say that I was tired and my body was adjusting to living in a new country and a new climate uh earlier this week I was cleaning my room um I recently moved from I've lived in this apartment for like five years now over five years and it's two bedroom I've always had a roommate up until last year and I had just decided to move into the other bedroom which is a lot bigger um so I still had it I moved a couple of months ago into this room but I still had a lot of boxes and just random things that I hadn't put away or gone through yet and I noticed there was a box full of my old planners and journals. I must not have opened this box for years because I'd for, totally forgotten that I even had them. Um, and they go back as far as 2012, which is when I first moved here. And one of the first things that I saw, um, I'd like a slip of paper fell out between one of them. And it was dated uh, for 2015. So... Um, basically every single year with my planners I always sit down on the last of the year it's just tradition I've always had and I'll write down things that not resolutions but like things just that I want to happen like my goals for the year um things like that it could be like really really simple things like learning how to cook a specific dish or you know whatever it is or you know just wanting to buy something specifically and um then at the end of the year the following year I'll go back and I'll like take off everything that I did and so this little strip of paper fell out and it was for 2015 so I would have written it in late 2014 when I was still with my abuser and I noticed that one of the things on the list and it wasn't ticked off so I guess I just I didn't go back to it then because I know that I didn't use my journals uh for the at least a year or so after I left him I think I just didn't even want to think about anything at that point um but one of the things on the list was that I wanted to leave my abuser that was my goal for that year and believe it or not later that year I actually did leave him so I do things uh think these things uh could work you know I'm a big believer in manifesting so um I just thought that was really funny and another thing that I noticed I was just kind of quickly reading through some of the entries from uh, 2012 when I had first moved here and what I noticed was just how sick I actually was and how often I was getting sick and I'm talking like I was sick several times a week every week I was always drained 
always had stomach aches, always throwing up, always had headaches, flu, cold, fever, constantly. These are the same things that came up all the time. And I also noticed just how often it really was that he was drinking and not coming home. Um, which, you know, I knew I can remember was really frequently, but I think when you just see it written down in your own words and you've kind of stepped away from it for years and not looked at it, it just seems even clearer. Um, another thing was I was so sleep deprived at the time. Um, that was part of what was mentioned in the paragraph that I just read from the book. Um, I've mentioned it before in other episodes, but he would come into the bedroom after being out all night and I would be like sound asleep in the middle of the night having to get up for work in a few hours and he would wake me up just so he could yell abuse at me he would jump on top of me turn the light switch on and off over and over again like he would just open the door and just flick the light switch on and off on and off um which as you know if you've been in a dark room and someone's turning the light on out of nowhere not to mind flickering it on really quickly it's it's painful um, he would like bang doors, blur music. Even on a regular day when he wasn't out, wasn't drinking, he was a really, really heavy snorer. And if you're someone that's ever slept in the same room, even the same house as someone who snores, it can be torture. And no matter how many times I said it to him, how many times I said I couldn't sleep, he would never do anything to fix the problem. I was just never able to sleep with it and he would somehow think it was my problem and I just had to get over it. I would go and sleep on the couch and then he would get mad because I was sleeping on the couch and I wasn't sleeping in bed. And he would fall asleep constantly throughout the day. He's someone that would take like five naps a day and just like sleep the whole day away if he could. He would just constantly fall asleep on the couch throughout the day. So like I wouldn't even be able to watch TV comfortably because it was so loud and so irritating. It was just mental torture uh there's a song that uh it's i'm not even going to say what it is but it reminds me of my dad it's just a song that me and my dad used to both really enjoy together and it is a song that like depending it depends on the day it depends on my mood i can either love to listen to it or I find it really hard to listen to. It can either make me happy or make me sad. So mostly I try not to listen to it unless it's on purpose and I know I want to specifically seek it out. And he knew that this song affected me, but he would always play it on his guitar over and over again, just out of nowhere, even when I would ask him to please not play it. And, you know, it wouldn't even just be like, like I would just be in the kitchen cooking or something and he would just start playing it and it would just be over and over and over again. And I would ask him so many times to stop. He just would keep doing it. He just didn't care. And not even that he didn't care, but he just loved that it was torturing me. It was just so heartless and so cold. I was always tense, always ready for his next move I never knew what was going to set him off so it's like I was always ready for something to happen and you know if you have your body tense I think we've all often been in situations where we're feeling anxious or stressed and your body just tenses up and having your body tense constantly has a huge effect on it It increases your heart rate and I would always have muscle pain in my shoulders and my neck from just holding the muscles so taut 
you're just always waiting for the next thing to happen. Another thing that people maybe don't recognize um, as a symptom of abuse is like the intense loneliness that victims can feel. For me, Ireland had never seemed so far away at the time, but even victims who don't live miles from their family can still feel extremely lonely and isolated as you're so cut off from everyone. And, you know, you're trying to hide such a huge secret from everyone that sometimes it's just easier not to speak to anyone in case you let the cover slip. I mastered making everything look perfect on the outside. And this wasn't just to hide the this huge secret that I had from everyone else, but it was also to fool myself. Um, you know, I was just in such denial about what was happening. So to talk about it would be to make it real. Um, I continued on as normal <clears throat> as much as possible. I would speak to friends and you know they would ask me how things are going in New York and I would say oh everything's great you know act like everything was fantastic it's the best thing that ever happened to me um I would speak really highly of my abuser and you know it's one of those things where it just goes to show that you can't ever believe what you see on social media people will show you what they want you to see and not what's actually happening you're isolated and you're so ashamed and so in denial that you have nobody to tell you or to clarify to you that what you're experiencing isn't okay. There were some times where I slipped and I mentioned maybe some little thing that had happened to my friends um, but even still I would downplay it and make excuses for him. It's like I wanted reassurance that his behaviour was wrong and I needed to know that they would have my back if I needed them to but then if they were too intrusive I would shut down completely because I still didn't want to let them in that far. I would sit there sometimes while he was screaming at me and just think who is this guy? Where was the guy that I had known in Ireland for all those years. But the thing is that that guy never existed. Instead, he was masking the real him because no abuser shows that they're abusive right away. I would be so heartbroken just wishing he'd reassure me and realise his mistakes, but I was just so insignificant to him. Even to myself, I was always making excuses to justify his anger and I would look for absolutely anything, the tiniest of things to justify it. The truth is that he was the only one who could give me relief from the pain that I was in, even though it was pain that he was causing. I would never question when he would suddenly flip and be nice to me out of nowhere because I would just be so relieved that it's okay again he's nice to me again sometimes I would punish his behavior by not speaking to him or not texting him back or answering his calls but the punishments never worked they would only spur him on even more sometimes I even fought back and yelled at him and called him names like he did to me 
I remember one time I even slapped him, but he took delight in it and he milked it for weeks. He even cowered away from me and crouched down saying, please don't hit me, please don't hit me. And it was very obviously fake and he played it up just so he had something to hold against me. I would have done anything to stop the abuse, but it's not your job to stop it as the victim. I love this quote from Crazy Love by Leslie Morgensteiner. She says, nothing I did made him hit me. Nothing I did made him stop. But still, I tried my best to be perfect. Abusers very often have backward ideas of gender roles. You need to cook and clean and cater to him. My abuser thought I had to respect him just because he was the man in the relationship. He hated his mother and idolized excuse me, his dad. He would never blame his dad for his wrongdoings. Um, instead, he would blame his mom for them. He was even victim blaming his own mother. He would get home really late the night before because he'd be out drinking and then he wouldn't wake up on time for work the next morning. And he would say that it was my fault because it was my job to wake him. I would spend hours cooking only for him to complain about the food, even though his idea of cooking was microwaving. He would always find a problem and tell me, do it this way the next time. One time he lost his phone in a cab. It was a pretty regular occurrence. He was always replacing his phone, his iPad or his wallet. Um, I mean, constantly replacing these things and he would replace them right away when he lost them even though he would say he had no money um so I remember one time this guy found the phone that he had lost in the cab and he called my number from the phone and I wasn't home at the time so I wasn't with my ex um, so he gave me his number so that when I was with my ex again, he could call him and arrange to meet up to get it back. And I didn't have a pen on me, as I said, I wasn't home. So I wrote the number on the keypad of the phone um, while I was on the call. So I thought it would save. But then as soon as I hung up, the number gone, just disappeared. So I called him back, but then the phone was switched off. And when I told him about it, of course, he blamed me. I remember he was extremely angry with me because it was my fault that he lost his phone and someone stole it. He would always embarrass me in front of people. Um, he would make fun of me in front of his family and friends when we were out together. I think every couple, you know, ribs each other and kind of makes fun of each other. Um, a little bit but this was like on a whole other level he would get really personal with it he would mention private things I did or said and he would make fun of my thoughts and opinions on things when I had family or friends visiting from home I would beg him to not drink while they were there but it never happened he would just get stupidly drunk one time he had a friend visiting him and they came home after a night out together and he just started saying awful things about me to him. And it was just so humiliating. A week after my grandfather died and I was still very fragile and definitely should have been going out at all. Um, we, went, we went to meet his cousin and her husband who were visiting. And I'd already met both of them the previous year and really, really liked them. We'd had a great time together. But this time I was just too down to speak that much. 
of course I was polite and everything but I was just really really quiet and when we left he was so pissed at me for what he said I was being a bitch to them and when we got off the train he got a text from his cousin and she just asked if I was okay because she noticed that I was really quiet all night it seemed kind of down it was purely genuine concern on her part for me and she wasn't by any means pissed off with me or anything and it was very clear in the text too but he used it as justification for him thinking that I was rude and embarrassing him he wouldn't let it drop even when I told him why I wasn't in the mood and the whole walk home he walked half a block in front of me and I was just behind him crying my eyes out silently it was one of the most horrible miserable feelings I've ever had to be in the middle of grieving for someone you adored all your life and to have someone who was supposed to love you be so heartless and call you a bitch for not being in a good enough mood to socialise. I'd never experienced such coldness. Even a stranger would have treated me with more kindness than that. There were times when I would pray that he would cheat on me and I would find out because then I would have an excuse to leave. I like it seems so crazy now to think that I could validate cheating but had no acceptance of the fact that he was abusing me and that's just one of the things I'll tell you how warped your mind is when you're going through this um when I was reading my journals the other day I saw so many times where I had said one more time and I'm gone and I even packed my bags one time which I had completely forgotten about but when I read it I remembered it and just being like whoa I actually remember packing all of my stuff and I remember feeling like an idiot the next day when I unpacked everything but I always stayed I was always hopeful that things would get better and I always blamed it on stressful outside factors oh it's because we don't have money or he has family stuff going on or he's tired from work etc 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 I foolishly thought that the conversations I had with him about his behaviour were getting through to him when the reality was he couldn't care less. Abusers are never going to accept that they are abusive and a narcissist believes already that they're above everyone else so why would they ever listen to what anyone is saying about them unless it's praise. I still remember the anxiety I would feel when I would turn the key in the front door every day after work I desperately longed for the joy that I felt at work or out with friends to last while I was at home with him, but it never did. The second I would turn the key, it would change. It's like it would just overtake my body. When he left for work, only then would the anxiety and the tension leave. I would even look out of the window as he was leaving until he turned the corner and I knew he was really gone. Only then could I relax. But then it would creep back in when I knew it was getting close to the time he should be home. I would say, is he going to turn up? Is he not going to turn up? If he turned up, then it was going to be a good night. But if he didn't, then I knew it was he was going to be out all night drinking and I was in for another night of abuse. Looking back on this time in my life, I really don't even recognise myself. I don't always remember the individual incidents, but I always remember the feelings that I had in the moment. 
even when I see pictures of myself now from then, I look like a completely different person. I'm like a shadow of myself. My hair looks limp. I was extremely pale. My skin had breakouts everywhere. I had dark circles under my eyes. My eyes looked dead and I just looked sick. Um, it just really, it really does take a huge toll on your body. Um, like if you're just being stressed and anxious all the time like it's not it's not good for you you know so if you can imagine when you're like we all go through stresses and anxiety and I think particularly the last year has been particularly stressful for everybody and I'm sure you noticed that you're getting sicker a lot um you know maybe you had breakouts things like that um so if you can imagine that but like literally every single day of your life there's no break from it it really makes me grateful to see how far I've come. Um, yesterday actually was my nine-year anniversary here in New York. Um, I always feel a little bit weird on that day because it just reminds me of how I was about to walk into this extremely turbulent life and I had no idea what was coming. And it's kind of like, I just want to go back and warn myself. Don't go, turn around, don't go. But... And now I kind of just feel like I'm so glad I stuck it out here. I could have so easily gone home to Ireland after I left him, but I have a whole life here now. I've great friends, I've great apartment. I just got my dream job. Um, obviously the pandemic has been awful for everyone, but you know, I have a lot to be happy about. So I'm grateful. So I would say just take some time today to think of something you're grateful for and to look back in your life and just see how far you have come. Whether you have been in an abusive relationship or not, I think that's something we all should do every now and again. And I promise you, you will feel good afterwards. Um, so I'm going to keep this one short and sweet today. I'll be back next week. I'm going to be speaking about my experience with physical violence. Until then, my DMs are always open. IPVME on Instagram and Twitter. Have a great week and I will see you then. Mm-hmm.